are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're in a series on Sunday morning on the subject of revival. <clears throat> revival is something I believe God can still send. I believe God, amen. I believe God wants to send revival. The next event on God's timetable, spiritual or t- uh, uh, biblical timetable, is the rapture of the church. And I know things are going to wax worse and worse, but I also know 2 Peter chapter 3, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm expecting one last revival. A revival is where the church of God, God's people get revived. Uh, Our churches bring back the old fashioned amen. And in the Bible, in the book of Revelation in heaven, it says we'll say amen, amen. So we're gonna say it twice, might as well say it once down here. I, I believe still that God can bring holiness back in our church and the great songs and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody. I believe that preaching becomes paramount when a church is experiencing revival. I believe a church goes to prayer and the church learns what it is to pray. Last night, below us here is a 250-seat auditorium. Of course, it wasn't packed, but we had men here and God, in a marvelous way, got into that prayer meeting last night. It was very, very special. It was an unusual time together. And I felt like, Brother Cooper, you spoke to us on prayer for a few moments, and then we got into prayer, and it was very obvious that the hearts of the men were ready for prayer, and we poured out our heart to God. I left there so refreshed and so encouraged. You know, why is it that the prayer meetings in our churches are either extinct or very small? And our basketball gymnasiums are packed and sports and activity, and I'm all for sports, but I think prayer should be the main thing, and soul winning should be the main thing, and preaching should be the main thing. Those are, when we started this church, 44 years, we never had any sports. I tell you what we had. We had singing and preaching and Sunday school and prayer meeting, and we had right off the bat a bus ministry and worldwide missions. That was it. I'm thankful God's given us these other things. We have two gymnasiums. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the dormitories. I'm grateful for the college. I'm grateful for the radio. I'm grateful for the science labs, the computer labs, the media labs, the the, uh, graphic design, all the hundreds of computers that God has given us. But those should be to strengthen the ministry, not take away from the ministry. Revival is a recognition of sin with a repentance from that sin and a renewed desire to serve God. I have that desire to serve God with my life, and I know you do as well. I want God to do something. I want God to do in my heart, in my heart, send a great revival. I want a revival in my heart. I want it every day. I want it every week. I want it every month. I want it to the day I draw my last breath, God takes me home, or the rapture comes. I want to be in a spirit of revival. I don't want to be playing at church. I don't want to come to church like it's a graveyard. 
I want there to be enthusiasm and fire in my soul and I don't want the church to bring it to me. I want to bring it to the house of God. And today we see that uh, we have been in the subject of revival. We've noticed that when there's some evidence, when a church is having a revival, there's conviction of sin. That was message one, conviction of sin. And we agree with God, that's wrong. It seems like today we're trying to justify as much wrong as we can. But when the Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God begins to speak to our heart, we'll say that is wrong. That's lying, that's not truth, that's dishonesty, that's bitterness, that's anger, that's strife, that's, that, and that's carnality, that's evil speaking, that's ill will, that's deceit, that is sin. So consequently, we must tell the truth on our taxes. I don't like the taxes, I think it's dishonest. God, our preacher just said about 10%, so I believe government should be below that. And yet it's nearly 60%. I believe that there ought to be conviction of sin. And say, so, well, I don't get convicted of things. Well then, Romans chapter eight, verse nine, you're none of his because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us and part of his function is to convict us of sin. No, Jack, you spoke wrong to that person. No, you spoke unkind to your wife. No, that's sin. No, don't do that. You did it anyway. God will speak to your heart. Not only conviction of sin, we saw conversions of the lost. Conversion of the sinners. And when a church is experiencing revival, we see people getting saved. People trusting Christ. Sometimes I wonder if our church is experiencing the first fruits of revival. I see people getting convicted about sin. I see people desirous to win the loss to Christ. Every week we see people in the morning service here and all of our other ministries getting saved. A week ago or so, pastor preached here and as he preached there were about 20 people, someone told me last night, that were down here asking Christ, adults getting saved and born again. I, I think that's a spirit of revival. And so conviction of sin and conversion. And then we saw that, that when a church is having a revival, there's compatibility, one accord. We're getting along. We're not arguing. We're not blasting one another on the Facebook. We're, we're, we're trying to walk in harmony with God's people. And every time you've experienced, we read about, we read about revival, we always see how that Christians get right with one another. Today I bring to you our fourth message on revival. And we read a text regarding a husband and wife relationship, but God says as he's showing the relationship of a man and a woman, how a man should leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, how a man ought to love his wife and a wife ought to reverence her husband. God is mirroring that relationship of the people of God in the church to himself. Look what he says in verse 32. This is a great mystery. What is a great mystery? Verse 31. This cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. The church in Christ should be as one flesh. And he says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular shall love his wife even as himself, for the wife, see the wife that she reverence her husband. Now when a church is having a revival, God's institution is always affected. And God's institution is the New Testament local church. 
Matthew 16, 18 says this, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus Christ established the church. In this text in Ephesians 5, the Bible says that Jesus gave, I believe it's verse 25 if you're looking at it, Jesus gave his life for the church. If Jesus gave his life for the church, he established the church, we should not be careless with God's institution. I think of how a mother carries a baby for nine months and then she goes through the valley of the shadow of death and she births that child and then she cares for that baby and she's up at night with that baby and she changes that baby and she feeds that baby and she sings to that baby and she loves that baby and she takes care of that baby and she clothes that baby and she invests her life in that baby and that baby leaves father and mother. There ought to be always a reminder to ourselves for mother and father that the fifth commandment is still in the Bible. Honor thy father and thy mother and it shall be well with thee. I don't care how old you get. I don't care how smart you get and you become smarter than your parents. Your parents had an eighth grade education. They had a 12th grade education and they worked hard to get you an education and you have your bachelor's degree or your master's degree or a doctor's degree and you're a scientist or you're an engineer or you're a computer program and all these things and you exceeded your parents. That's still your mother and father. My sweet dad and my sweet mother have been gone all these years and I saw their picture again this morning and I just thank God for them and I don't want to disgrace their name. I saw my wife's mother's picture has been gone for 49 years. I saw it this morning and I, I, know, I know it sounds weird. I thanked her. I said, Geraldine, I want to thank you for raising Cindy. Did a good job. I want God to know my heart that I love the heritage that God gave us. You people that won't talk to your parents. There's division in your home. You get it right. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You get it right. That's revival. And God gives this illustration. The church first is God's institution. It's the Greek word church is ekklesia. It means to be called out. We are called out of this world. Then why in God's dear name, if we're called out of this world, why are we trying to move the world into the church? 118 times you find that word church. Most of the New Testament was written to churches. The church at Rome, the church at Galatia, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossae. It's written to churches, or three of the, uh, uh, five of the books are written to pastors. First Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus. And they're written to these pastors and what their responsibility is. May I say today, God makes much of the church. And when we become casual and carnal and callous and critical of our church, we are being casual and carnal and critical and callous toward God himself. Jesus gave his life for the church. Why is this young generation so, uh, so bent on destroying what has brought us to this point? We're seeing that politically. Politically, 
We're seeing that our Constitution is being redefined, rewritten. Whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, the Constitution still says no law respecting religion. Whether you like it or not, Amendment 2 is still there. Why? They wanted a protection that the people would not be overtaken by the government. That we had the right to bear arms. You say, well, my goodness, someone sent me the other day, one of my deacons, that there's people being slaughtered on our streets and, and there, there, there's one a day right now where a person kills himself with a gun. But there are 2,300 a day in abortion. We're choosing our battles wrong, ladies and gentlemen. And any government that would want to control your life and control your health and control your safety and control your home and control your whereabouts and want to watch your face and watch everything about you is a government that wants to take full control of your life. That's already happened in communist countries. We don't want that here. Amen. We are redefining. And so we're, we're, Jesus said, I'm calling you out of the world. That's why I love church. We've been out there all week and we've come back into the house of God. We've assembled with God's people. We're singing the songs of Zion. He still speaks. There is a fountain filled with blood. Someone told me about Jesus, that song today. That I'm still, still, still thankful that we can sing how firm a foundation these saints of the Lord. I'm so thankful there's a place we can bring our tithes and offers, offerings and offer them to God Almighty. This church has been called out of the world. Please don't bring this world in here. My Bible says, love not the world. First John chapter two, neither the things that are in the world, love the, uh, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the, uh, uh, is all uh, is not of the Father, but of the world. That's why God says, be not conformed to this world. Romans 12, two but be transformed, be different. Why are we trying to look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, turn our churches into nightclubs? Get rid of the pulpits, bring the dance band in. They can do that in the world better than we can do it. But they can't sing how firm a foundation. When through the, the flood and through the fire and through the flame, he's always there. Thank God for the church. We are living in a Laodicean age, Revelation chapter three, and the church has become lukewarm. Let that church become lukewarm, but may there still be fire and enthusiasm and zeal in the house of God at North Valley Baptist Church. I wanna say when a church has revival, we don't make less of the church, we make more of the church. Read it in the Bible, read historically when revivals came, the church is filled. Read about that great revival that took place, I think it was 1812 in Hawaii. And on one Sunday alone, they baptized over 13,000 people and the churches are filled. And a revival for weeks and for months and for years spread over that, that area of Hawaii. But friend, you can barely thank God. I text a preacher in Hawaii today. Thank God for that preacher. But, and there's a few there, but there are very few. They have every religion under the world there. One of the greatest presidents we have, I have a wall in my office dedicated to Ronald Reagan. 
Wasn't perfect, no. I didn't see, I guess there was a Democrat debate this week and someone showed me the advertisement. They gave a 30-second advertisement from his son, Ron, Ronald Reagan, and it said, I'm an avowed atheist. I'm against the church. I'll fight against the church, and I don't care if I burn in hell. I don't believe the church ought to have a voice in this country. We're casting off the faith of our fathers. Yes, sir. We're doing the same thing in our churches. And I want to tell you, young men, even you young men that are listening right now, because I know you are. It's not going to work. We've been down this path. Historically, we've seen where other people have tried it. The apostle Paul says, in the book of Acts in chapter 20, also of your own selves shall men creep in. They'll creep in with the seducing, seducing teaching and, and philosophy of new philosophy. Beware of philosophy, Colossians 2.8. My Bible says in the book of Jude, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write and exhort you should earnestly contend for the faith. And there'll be some that creep in among you and they'll creep in the church and they'll seek to destroy the foundations of the church. Second Peter chapter two. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious is just self-willed and lawless and I'll do what I want to do. I don't care about the Bible. I don't care about heritage. I'll make God squeezed into my program instead of me getting conformed to God's program. And many in that church in that day will follow their pernicious ways. And if God is telling this to the early first century churches, I wonder how it is in this 21st century. I say in revival, number one, that the church is God's institution. I say secondly, the church is a place of prayer. When you pray with this church, we have many opportunities. My house, God's word says in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Well, I like the parties. Well, thank God for the parties. Well, what about prayer? When are you praying? When are you using an old-fashioned altar in this church or two or three of you together? Where, what room are you praying in? What prayer meeting are you praying in? I, get, I, 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 know, I know we're such busy folks. And I'm not saying it always has to be organized. Can't two or three or four of you men get in here early tonight and just go back here, we'll have a prayer meeting before, and just sit down and say, let's pray. Let's pray for revival. Amen. Can't two or three or four or five of you ladies and teenagers, all of us, can't we find a place in this property, the other property, and say, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for America. Amen. We're gonna pray that America, amen, comes back to God. We're gonna pray for our churches and our churches stand true, true and holy to God. Amen. My house should be called a house of prayer. It's amazing, I read a quote about the church as it was being established, was established really in prayer in the upper room. But I think we've taken the church to the playroom instead of the upper room. We having fun? Is it fun? We having a good time? Go to camp, go to camp with the kids. The first thing, mothers and dads, if we're not careful, do you have a fun time? And I want them to have fun. And I want them to laugh. 
and I want there to be fun and sports and all that, but I want there to be preaching and singing and invitation and weeping and breaking down of our hearts before God. This whole world gives us fun. So many months ago, maybe a year ago, I spoke about how the outside, and I thank God for the happiness that comes out here and the amusement that comes out here. But friend, if you want joy, real joy, let Jesus come into your heart. I've got the joy, joy, joy. God alone can put joy in our heart. And we're trying to deal with people with their mental problems and heartache problems and social problems and all these things. No, I tell you what's needed is Jesus Christ. He can dispel all that. Make more of him, he must increase, I must decrease. I find it's a place of devotion. You know, when there's a revival going on, we get devoted to the house of God. There are 12 tribes in the Old Testament. Right in the middle of all 12, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, all their families, two million Jews, and right in the center, of all 12 tribes, all two million people. Right in the center was something that moved. And as it moved, the people out front moved, the people behind moved, the people on the right moved, and they went through that desert and that place was called a tabernacle. And the tabernacle is where they met God. And I believe as God had the tabernacle, Jesus established the New Testament local church and it needs to become the center of our life. Hebrews chapter 10, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. As the matter is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It would not surprise me if Jesus would come today. I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming soon. And friend, if he is coming soon, I want to be in the house of God. I've often thought about it, that if Jesus were going to come on a Sunday night, and I know there's different days in the week and all the countries. I was talking to a preacher in Uganda on the phone last night, emailing. I said, I have no idea what time it is. He said, it's 7.15 in the morning, Sunday morning. But I often thought, wouldn't it be something if Jesus would come on Sunday? But if he came in church time, I'd like to be in church. I don't want to be on the mountain skiing or on the boat trying to ski or on the dirt bike, and I'm all for those things. But on the Lord's day, I want to be in God's house. I want you to know it's a place of tithes and offerings upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store, First Corinthians, as God has prospered. There be no gatherings when I come. I want you to know number, 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 number six, it's a sending station. Acts chapter 13, they sent them out from there to go to the cities beyond to preach the gospel. I want you to know number seven, that when a church has a revival, when a church experiences revival, there's always preaching. In the book of Titus, and I'll turn there for the sake of time, and I'll just, I'll quote it to you, I've got it here, but I just can't get started for some reason right now. And God says that in the book of Titus, is there a Titus in my Bible? There it is. He said, but in due times hath he manifested his word through Preaching. Preaching is a wonderful word. Preaching is about extinct today. We have trained our churches to become seminars, principle related. Let me give you seven principles about how to get along with one another. Principle one, just get right with God. 
We've turned it into workshops. We're just connecting all the time with one another. And we talk to one another. How about stop talking this way and start talking this way? This way always works out when we get this way right. Make more of Jesus than more of ourselves. That's what so much, so much of our worship songs that we have, and I love the word worship, but not the way they've captured it today. I worship you. I am so amazed. I'm over. I'm over. All about me. The worship songs never talk about what I am. It talks about who he is. All hail the power of Jesus' name. How great thou art. Crown him with many crowns. Fairest Lord Jesus. The great hymns of the faith speak of who he is, not who we are. Oh, worship the king. Oh, tell of his might. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that God would reach down and save a wretch like me. And our churches make fun of preaching now. I read a preacher that about 70 some years ago, he said this, conference preachers have the rock baby attitude. They just want to care for the little sheep and speak to us smooth things. I like to go to a church where I feel convicted, where God, God changes something in my dirty, filthy heart, where I get right with God, where I draw closer to God. God's word is preeminent. The word preaching comes from a Greek word, k-r-u-x. K-E-R-U-X. And Kate Rook says, well, you know, people say, I, I, I'm more into the sharing. I'm more into the teachy, teachy type. But God says he's chosen foolishness of preaching. What is Kate Rook? Preaching is to lift your voice, to herald, to declare with authority. Preaching is to lift your voice, to herald, to declare with authority. I'm not going to present the gospel here. I'm not going to present church. Now, you know, I, I don't mean to offend anybody. I just want us to get along, and just a few things I want to share about Jesus today. Just a few thoughts. You'll notice I've got 45 things on the screen today about how to get along with one another. Uh, guard your medication. Uh, it's not a, what are we talking about? Paul, when he preached, they got so mad they stoned him. Paul, when he preached, they got so mad they threw him out of the town. Hey, I'd like to see, I'd like to see a John the, John the Baptist preach so powerfully that they cut his head off. Jeremiah was a preacher. Isaiah was a preacher. Ezekiel was a preacher. Nahum was a preacher. Micah was a preacher. I want to say that God hath chosen 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the foolishness of preaching. To publicly declare, thus saith the Lord. You, you say, well, look how bad America is. Look how bad the church is. America reflects the church. So our churches, we close the doors Sunday night and Wednesday because we don't want to interrupt the home. And we have a little ditty, we stop Sunday school. Sometimes we have a connection group so we can have a cup of coffee together before church. But then we just do our little one service and that's it for the week. Friend, we don't need less of God, we need more of God. And it's showing up in Washington, D.C. And it's showing up in Sacramento. And it's showing up in Santa Clara, California. Oh my, I want, to know, I want us to know that preacher, uh, that Peter preached, thus saith the Lord. He preached that power of Pentecost. He said, hey, you're guilty. 
of taking the just one, the holy one, and crucifying him. You're guilty. Don't tell me he was a, how to win friends and influence people. Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. I believe that if we could get back to preaching, we could see something happen. An old preacher from about 100 years ago said this, you deeper life speakers, and yes, they were around 100 years ago. You weren't considered in the 1800s educated, late 1700s, unless you went to Germany, the age of enlightenment, and you learned rationalism. And those rationalism preachers came back to America, and they became very studious and scholars with rationalism and explaining what God really meant. How about thus saith the Lord? How about God meant it? How about God meant that, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. If your name is not in heaven, you're not going to heaven. Well, I've been a good person. Yeah, but God says there are none that doeth good. But the old preacher said this, you deeper life preachers and speakers, he said, you deeper life speakers, he didn't call them preachers. You're hunting for mice while lions are devouring our land. That is so true. You say, well, we're in trouble in America. Yes, but it's not America, it's the church. In Santa Clara, California, the hub of the Silicon Valley. Number one chip maker is six blocks away. The man on that corner is worth billions of dollars right across the street. The dear man, 62, that died this week. This great, great computer company over here, billions of dollars they're worth. Our neighbors are worth billions of dollars. But you know, in this city of Santa Clara, California, there will not be one other church open on Sunday night tonight. I don't think you'd find two churches in the city of Santa Clara, San Jose, California, one million people open tonight. And so we're building these buildings for a one and done on Sunday morning, that's it. How about if we keep it open on Monday where if people want to just come and pray, you can pray. How about on Tuesday, it's open. If you want to pray, you can pray. On Wednesday, how about if we can keep it open so we can get some gospel tracts and go into this community and knock on doors and tell people the good news that Jesus saves because they're either going to go to heaven or going to go to hell. We're told that 2% of the world claims that they know Jesus Christ, and that includes Catholics, Charismatics, Baptists, Presbyterians, but 2%, if that's true, if that is a true statistic, that means 98% of the world claims, I know not Jesus Christ, and I don't care if I burn in hell, as Ron Reagan said this week. But you will, my friend. Just like that man who went to hell and was in torment, and I was hoping that Lazarus would just come tip the tip of his filthy old hand, the beggar, in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormenting this flame. And he said, will you at least go and tell my five brethren back home, would you tell them not to come to a place like this? Revival is our only hope. Not God sending us rich people. Not God sending us things. Our hope is God where he increases. Yeah. 
I believe there can be revival, but it's not going to be outside of the local church. God uses the vehicle where he gave his life for the church. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.